Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, this is Tom Dunlap. Welcome to another episode of the Black Letter Podcast. Today, it's a special episode. Joining me is Gerald Lamal. Gerald is an immigration attorney, and it's special because it's timely. Uh, H-1B visa dates and deadlines are coming up. There's also something called an L-1, and there's also employment-based immigration green cards. And all of these things have deadlines. Uh, all of these things are complicated, and all of these things are things that Gerald does. So we're kind of putting out a Black Letter podcast alert. Gerald, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for joining me. Um, pleasure to be here. And thanks for sharing with our listeners kind of what's going on in the immigration world. So let's start with a little bit about you. So I know you used to work for Amnesty. You've been doing this for decades. Tell us a little bit about your your immigration law background. Yeah. Well, it, it actually started in the fact that I grew up overseas. I, I grew up my formative years. I lived in Kenya, Tunisia, North and uh, in Southern France. And I've always had an affinity for immigrant uh, communities here in the United States. And I started working in human rights work uh, some 36 years ago. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a natural gravitation towards immigration law. Okay. So I've been practicing ever since then, uh, including a stint as Deputy Executive Director of Amnesty International, where we obviously worked a great deal in immigrant communities. Uh, when I decided to go into uh, solo practice some 14 years ago, it uh, private practice, I should say, um, it, it was a natural to, again, help immigrant communities to, to adjust through the complicated immigration system in the United States. So this is where I am. Great. So I know you've been working at DBL for quite a while, some years now, doing mostly things that, and I send work to you and other employers all over the firm and outside of the firm send work to you. And you do something called an H-1B visa. You do an L-1 transfer visa of some kind and employment-based green cards. What are those three things? Just give us a little bit of overview on these, these three major items. Yeah. Well, I will say we do family visas as well, but uh, the, the three you mentioned are the, the most popular with our business clients. And we, what we uh, established here at DBL is a business immigration practice. The most popular business immigration tool that companies use is the H-1B program. This allows companies to find us uh, foreign talent to bring to the United States. These are, these are people with highly, highly educated and highly skilled. Have to have at least a bachelor's degree. Have to have at least a bachelor's degree. Yeah. The most important thing about the, the program is the job description. The job description has to include a theoretical and practical application of highly specialized knowledge. Gotcha. So you can't be, uh, you know, they can't hire somebody Marketing associate or, or a, you know, wash windows, but bachelor's degree required and, 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 so something like, I know that you do these for a biotech company that's a client of mine, so oh. PhDs, I know you've brought those over. Oh, I think we have, at the firm, we have an H-1B uh, attorney, uh, mm -hmm. maybe more than one that have 
uh, from Korea and some other places. And uh, so what other kinds of companies? IT companies? Well, IT companies, mostly the same areas. Um, okay. So scientists, IT, medical professionals. We, we, we bring a, a number of, of, of different types of okay. employees, engineers. Uh, one of the things that they're discussing at USCIS is actually expanding the H-1B, the, the, the categories okay. of H-1B uh, professions. That How would they expand it? What would they add? Are there certain professions that may not require a bachelor's degree, okay. uh, 100%. Right. So, you know, in the past, if they if a profession didn't require a bachelor's degree, they would absolutely uh, deny. Uh, now they may be expanding it to say that. I see. Know, so if you could prove it's a technical job, even if there's no bachelor's degree. Well, no, no, no. You still have to prove that a bachelor's degree was, is required. Oh, it's I just see. that if there was a part of the profession that you could come to and work at without a bachelor's degree, they would deny. So now they're saying, well, if, if you know, if a profession is, um, you know, there may be parts of this profession that don't require a bachelor's degree, they may start accepting. Gotcha. Like a paralegal, an I patent paralegal, so something technical. Okay, gotcha. So, Gerald, I know that there is a sensitive time deadline coming up. Tell me a little bit about what's so important about H-1B visa timing uh, this time. Yes, this is very important for companies to know. The reality of the H-1B program is you can apply for it at one point in the year. Now, this doesn't apply to cap-exempt H-1Bs, which are nonprofit organizations, but for businesses and for the majority of our clients. So all for-profit organizations, this applies. Absolutely. So you, what, with the H-1B program, you have 85,000 visas given out every year. Period. Period. And you have to register between March 6th and March 24th to be eligible for a chance. And if you don't register by March 24th, you're done. You're done. Until the next you year. wait till you have to wait till now. Next can year. I ask you, do they always give out all 85,000? Are there more than 85,000 applicants? Oh, yes. So, uh, one of the interesting pieces of history with regard to the H1B programs in the early days, like uh, five years ago. Uh, you used to have to submit the H-1B applications on April 1st. Okay. So you may recall, we would, at the first floor of the law firm, uh, we would have nothing but papers everywhere right. as we were preparing uh, petitions to go out on March 31st by FedEx so that they would be at USCIS right. by April 1st. So four years ago, they decided to go to a registration system. So what they would do is people would register uh, the companies would register their uh, beneficiaries for a lottery. Okay. The, they register for a lottery because they're usually, typically, about 250,000 applications. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so they have less than half of those people get an H-1B visa. Yeah. So what they would do, the lottery would whittle the numbers down to about 100, 110,000. And out of those, they would select 85. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but one of the big changes, there's a huge change that happened this year. And, uh, you know, last year, there were over 700,000 applications. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 700,000 applications. That was 85,000. Like just over 10%. 12% of the people are getting in. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, you know, one of the things is when there's a new system, there are people who try to game the system. So, really? Uh, well, you know, that's, that's incredible. Shocking. Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, so what was happening um, in, in 
last year was a number of, uh, of beneficiaries would mm -hmm. register through several corporations. Okay. And then so for the same H1B visa, they would submit multiple applications multiple. through different corporations who would have a better shot at the lottery or yeah. a better shot at the like, Gotcha. And then one of the things, <laughs> one of the other things that would happen is, um, you know, a company might register somebody for an H1B and then set up four or five dummy companies and uh, register through each of the dummy companies. And then if they were selected, they would uh, you know, make that the real shift the resources and that would be the real company. So, wow. well, you know, or they try something and then USCS gets wise to it and they, they adjust. So this year, the registration is, uh, the, the selection for the lottery is going to be based on your passport. Oh, wow. So yeah, that means absolutely. one app one per app, human. One app per human. Gotcha. Now, one of the things they have to do is they have to assess that people are using the correct passport, that, you know, they're, they're not using someone else's passport. To, and USCIS has said that they're going to, uh, they're going to crack down on that. They haven't so how much will that reduce from 700,000 applicants? How much is that going to reduce? It's back to 250? It's got to be back to about 250,000. So that was a lot of gamesmanship. Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a lot of you and cry because it was unfair to a lot of uh, the uh, corporations that were doing it the right way. Right. That were being playing fair. Yeah. Got it. So tell me about L1s now. So I know L1s are a different kind of visa. And you said to me before the show that they're super popular with our clients. And it's another way to bring uh, an employee over from a foreign country. Yeah. So these are actually considered amongst the easiest uh, of visas to get because these are employees who are basically intra-company transferring within the same company. So if a company has a branch or a, or a uh, subsidiary or a parent company overseas, uh, they can transfer an employee to the United States. So if you have an employee, you have an office in Paris and an office in London and an office in New York, you can bring your Paris and, New and London employees to New York with an L1. You don't have to do an H1B. That's for somebody you don't employ presently that you would employ only in the US. Either you only have a US office or you haven't hired them in your foreign office. Exactly. Gotcha. And, and they, 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 I, I say it's easy. There's no such thing as an easy visa in the United States. Immigrating to the United States has never been easy, and it's right. not easy going forward. But the advantage of the L1 is that you don't have to pay a prevailing wage, and you don't have to go through a perm process or a right. certification process with the Department of Labor. Okay. So you can just make the strategic decision that somebody you want someone to transfer okay. somebody. However, there's a lot of detail involved in that. It has to be an actual yeah, company, yeah. I bet. You can't set up a shell to hire an employee and do an L1. Because that's the first thing I thought. Yeah. I was like, I don't want game. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And, and and the reality is you have to prove the business reason for the transfer. Okay. This can't be because, you know, my friend wants to move to, to, to New right. York. You know, it's got to be. It's not quality of life. No, 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 okay. not at all. There has to be a business and that's paramount. Wow, that is, that's yeah. a tough pill. So tell me finally there, I know there's a third thing that we do and that's a business-based green card or immigration. Can you explain yeah. that? So there, there's an employment-based Employment-based green card, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no worries. So there are uh, three types of employment-based green cards. There's the first is called an EB-1, okay, uh, which is for either highly skilled, uh, extraordinary ability 
uh, people with extraordinary ability. I, I like to refer to these as third party green, uh, green card. These are people who have extraordinary ability, but if you are, 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 are making your case for extraordinary ability, you're not going to get the green card. It has to be other people. Okay. So what do you mean, like a university wants to bring over a professor, special professor, something like that? Yes. So the, in, in this particular instance, you need references in order to bring that person okay. over. So uh, if, you know, the dean of the college reference is not going to mean anything. Oh. It's got to be people who from the industry who would, would have no other reason to know you except you're That you're so famous. So it's really, it's not bachelor's degree or PhD. This is like a famous person. person. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. And in addition, when you come to the United States, you have to be doing something. So in other words, right. you can't come on an extraordinary ability green uh, ability green card and say I'm going to sit on the beach and figure out what I'm going to do. That's what we brought Einstein over. <laughs> exactly, he had to work. So <laughs> Fantastic. So, but um, to the other, you know, there is an intercompany uh, transfer EV one as well, which okay. is you know, but again, you, it, it's like the L one on steroids. Gotcha. You, you so it's hard. Why would you ever do that if you could get an L one? Well, these are people, you know, if you wanted to transfer somebody oh, to set up a, 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 you know, a whole branch or set up, a, you. A, you know, a, a department. Like the president of, of Disney China or Disney Europe could come over here. Exactly. And, and, and he has a, you know, a, 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 a I know if you're such a person, by the way. <laughs> no, it may well be. The most popular, though, for our, that we work on are called EV2s, which okay. is, again, skilled uh, people with bachelor's degrees and at least five years of experience gotcha. who come. Uh, these are, you know, employers, employers in the United States who feel that these. these so that's what we have at the firm, the lawyers at the firm. I think they're EV, is that an EV2 visa that we have? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we actually have a lawyer. Yeah, so yeah we have a couple of lawyers who couple lawyers come here on the EV2. Gotcha. Yes. Okay, so they're not H1Bs. H1Bs are no. temporary. They, yeah, exactly. I so both of them came on the H-1B and then we transitioned to EB-2. Right? Ah, interesting. And what's the third type of employment-based visa? So there's a, it's or, it, immigration. It's basically an unskilled EB-3. And okay. uh, they're, they're a little harder to get, um, but, you know, with, with proper navigation, uh, you know, we've, we've been very successful. So wrap this up for me. So the timeline for all of these, is it the same? Is it March 4th to 26th or they differ from L1s? And no, L1s and EB uh, employment-based green cards can start at any time. So the H1B is the crazy thing that we have to like worry about. We have this very limited time, very limited pool because they're so popular. Exactly. And and so this is why we want to reach out to, okay. to businesses as, as quickly as possible. The reality with immigration is there's a lot of work. There's a lot of legwork to, uh, to preparing, uh, preparing a petition. And if people are interested, we encourage them to get in touch with us as soon as possible. Because uh, you, right now, one of the changes that they've made to the H-1B program is the registration process. It used to have a fee of $10 to register. Mm -hmm. Now it has a fee of 215 Gotcha. And it's because they're taking the registration process a lot more seriously. Gotcha. You have to prove that you are eligible for the H-1B. So people can't process. just pay 10 bucks and put and, a bunch and, of and put spam, spam, names. spam the immigration system. Exactly. So three things that people should remember to listen to this show. It sounds like one is... H-1B visas are limited. There's a limited number. 
They're time sensitive, so you got to do it between March 4th and March 26th, or you're done for the year. Sure. And what's the third thing? I'm trying to think of three because people like three things. Yeah, well, uh, that uh, for use an expert. <laughs> Don't try to no. do it yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the reality is, it, it, you know, when people often ask me, "Do I need an attorney?" For this, and and my answer is always no. You don't. You you, know, you can try and go at it alone, but I would say this: immigrating to any other country is going to be difficult. Right. Most countries protect their borders. They set up immigration laws to right. monitor how people come in. If this were color by numbers, everybody would get in. You'd have a billion people coming to the United States. I went to high school in Switzerland. Yeah, <laughs> anybody. Yeah. Exactly. I don't have that idea. They're like their borders are. Exactly. You know, six exactly. months to work there, exactly. you know, in, as a street cleaner or something. That's the most exactly. they do. Exactly. But when I'm walking across a very difficult terrain, a minefield, if right. you will, I can walk it alone. Or I can walk go with somebody. Yeah or, or, yeah. or I could go with somebody who's done this a thousand times. Right. And I, you know, what I would say to you is that immigration is not designed to help. It's designed to stop people from coming. And we have 36 years, myself, my lead paralegal is 24 years of help guiding people through this you process. You guys have 60 years collectively. Collectively. Plus absolutely. our firm. Plus we have a firm of yeah. amazing associates and other lawyers yeah. to help. Uh, we'd love to have, to help you. Awesome. Um, you know, uh, get uh, achieve your goals with regard to Awesome. Great. Thank you, Gerald. Oh, Perfect. Pleasure. We're going to get this message out. Thank you for joining us for this episode, this special time-sensitive episode of the Black Letter Podcast, which we're pushing out to you now. Download us wherever you get your podcasts, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you like. We'll see you next time on the Black Letter Podcast. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.